0: The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke Glory to you, Lord Christ. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people the gospel of the Lord. Lord And then come back and hold that book
1: for me. May the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You know, I heard something in this that I hadn't heard as I was preparing my sermon. And it's, uh, it's terrible when God does that to you.
0: <laughs>
1: I got it all in order, and then God laughs. laughs. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. Lord God is in the midst of you. You know, it's really important that we understand that these lessons today are about being Christocentric. We're in Advent, we're preparing for the time that Christ is going to be among us. God among us. Emmanuel. It's important that we also understand that the life that we have is not our life, but it's one that God protects and holds and nurtures. You know, well, I can eat my dinner, I can buy my food, I can work to make it possible, but it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the power of God's Holy Spirit that dwells within me. We are surrounded by the power and presence of Jesus. We are surrounded in such a way that God holds us dear and close. I don't know if any of you have ever been afraid, but I've been afraid a lot of times in my life. I'm pretty big, and people say, you know, big guys don't get afraid. Well, that's not true. I was going to say that's a crock, but I didn't know if I could. I guess I did, didn't I? We are called to be the people of God in this world, and we're called to focus on the fact that at the center of our being, God dwells constantly and is with us. God is there for us, and if God is for us, who can be against us? We can always draw on that well. Anytime we are drifting off into a direction that we shouldn't be drifting. Anytime we're confused or out of sorts, we need to draw on that spell. One of the things my father taught me at an early age was to when I didn't know what to do, to sit down and pray. To wake up the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit within me and figure out where God was calling me to be. Who was God calling me to be? You know, we're preparing for something that is magnificent. The rehearsal of the restatement of the inbreaking of Jesus into our lives. Some of you heard me preach last week. Uh, you know that uh, my mother taught me, Jesus loves me, this I know. And, you know, the next line of that hymn is, for the Bible tells me so. That's not true. My mother taught me. She beat it into me until I know that I'm loved by God. (laughs) She said, John, sit down. If I lost something, it was John, sit down. Pray. Center yourself. Think about the holiness that dwells within you, and you will remember where that was. I hated to tell her every time that I did that, she was right. We are all centered in that holy presence. You think about Christocentric. (coughs) It's the God of love and joy dwelling in our hearts and bringing us to awareness, opening our perspectives, opening up the horizons so we can see the world in a new and different way. Ah. I've been a priest uh, this next month for 38 years and a bishop for 16 And still, every time that things get a little rambunctious or trampled around me, I hear my mother's voice saying, sit down, John. (coughs) Sit down. Draw upon that well that dwells within you. Draw upon the power and the presence of the Holy that's in your heart. Be with God, and God will be with you. Hmm. Over and over in my life, I've been scared. I shared some of that with the confirmands today about the times that it was a real trial and I doubted the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Well, the reality of the fact it was me doubting the presence of God, not that God had gone away. God is there, and all we have to do is reach out and touch the presence of the holy. And sometimes it takes the strangest manifestations. manifestations. Sometimes... It's in the quiet silence that you experience, God. It's sometimes being woken up in the middle of the night, sitting straight up in the bed and seeing something that you've never seen before, understanding something different, having your heart and mind come open. Over and over again, when I draw on that well of God's presence in me, I can feel the life that is within me. You know, I I used to be, this is a a confession. You can give me absolution if you want. Uh, When I was in seminary, I had this thing about pulling myself up by my own bootstraps. Born and raised in in, uh, downtown Los Angeles, Echo Park. I haven't gone a long way from where I was born. Raised in East L.A., started in the project then and moved next door. I thought my father was going to move us away to some place magnificent like Orange County. And (laughs) he moved us out of our house in the project two streets away. Brand new house, 800 square feet. My grandmother, my grandfather, my mother, my father, my sister, and my cousin Bill, who was my brother as far back as I can remember. And we lived in that house. And I thought the first time I saw it, I said, oh, God, my expectations weren't met. But the strange thing is, I learned to be more centered in God living in that community. When you put that many adults into a place, and I wasn't quite an adult yet, but I thought I was, into that place, you learn to live in dialogue and share with one another. And the only common thing any of us had was the presence of Jesus in our hearts. The presence of the holy in our hearts. Recently I was at Nashville, Tennessee and doing their convention and I got to go to a synagogue and it was an amazing place. There's this huge wooden statue outside the main sanctuary and it's Abraham and I'd never seen the depiction of Abraham like this. Carved wood, that's okay, it's God calling. Sort of hidden behind his back, he had this huge knife carved into the wood. In front of him, with his hand on the back of the child, was Isaac, and his feet were bound. And he had the most amazing look on his face, Abraham. He was looking up to God, and he was saying, Hey, what are you doing? You told me to create this child. You told me to do the things that I've done to raise him, and now he's just becoming a productive individual, and you want me to sacrifice him. Are you out to lunch? (laughs) That was what the look told me. (laughs) What did God do in that instance? The ram appeared in the thicket, and he had a sacrificial animal. Isaac went on to be a great and powerful man. There's another thing I noticed in that synagogue. I came in and your creche and the Advent wreath are in the middle of the congregation. They're in front of the choir. They're surrounded by all of you. The altar is in front of you. And this church is a semicircle. Think about the fact that if we're truly centered in God, our life needs to be centered at the altar and in the birth of Jesus and in preparation for Jesus' coming. The altar's there in our midst. But it's not just us. That's why it's so far up here and you're far down there. Look outside. That altar is actually in the world drawing people to the presence of the Holy that's in this building drawing people to the presence of you in their lives. And it's by your behavior and what you do that we learn to say that all things are magnificent in Christ Jesus. God is in our midst. If God can be for us, who can be against us? Mm. I don't know about you, but I whine sometimes. Oh, God, why? God, why did you put me here and then his voice comes out of heaven to change it and do something about it and i thought god sounded an awful like like my father and mother but god gives us great skill god gives us the ability to transform the world around us by being who we are being with one another for one another in community Standing here in this place with the altar in front of us and remembering that out behind this wall here are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people. We don't have to worry about this world as long as we're doing our job as disciples of Christ. Last week, just before convention, I thought I had enough stress as we were going to convention. But then on Thursday, as I'm driving to convention, people are being killed. They're being assaulted. And I prayed for everyone that was involved. The next day, and two days after that, I realized that there were four people from the Episcopal Church in that building who were dead. Sort of hit home. It's like the angels, and I'm not talking about Gabriel and Michael. Yeah, that's right, honey. Not those <laughs> I'm talking about the angels who were great benefactors of Hillside's Home for Children, and I was aware that they were on the plane that went into the tower on 9-11. Now, here I've lost all these people I know. Should I be angry? Well, I've got to tell you, if I allowed my anger to take over me, I'd be angry every day of my life. I could start to do something about it. I could start to change. Those of you who know me, my positions on handguns and assault rifles are very, very clear. Don't. Now, I can't make decisions for every other human being in this world, but I can make decisions for myself. And it's not that I don't like firearms. I was a police officer for six and a half years, and they saved my life on a couple of occasions. They saved my partner's life on one occasion. But the pain and the torment that I went through was unbelievable. Now, I was blessed that the presiding bishop was willing to go out to the site with me. And if you go onto the web page of the National Church of ours, you'll notice his statement and mine. This was not a religious event. This was an event of wanton, untethered violence. Each and every one of us, as we raise our children, we have to teach them not to be violent, right? We have to teach them to be productive in this world. Being centered in Christ, being put aside for a ministry in this world, as it talked about in these lessons, looking for the inbreaking of Christ in our lives, we need to do something to change the world. Well, I don't think banning all guns is going to do it. But what I do think... is reaching out to the hungry, the poor, the disenfranchised. Us living a little more simply that others can simply live. Respecting the dignity of every human being. And you're going to say that in a few minutes, folks. Respecting the dignity of every human being and see the sacred nature of life. And guess what? Every time you don't teach your children about how wonderful they are and how, what a great gift they have in this world you're sort of crumpling up their life like a paper ball. You're taking that wonderful, blessed person and crumpling them up like a paper ball. You know, we're called to be patient and kind and not jealous or boastful, not arrogant or rude, but it gets to us, folks. We do that. We become arrogant and rude. Now, there's a lot of people in this room who are different than me. And in fact, I think, in all honesty, there's not many that are diff- as the same as me. And it's not because I'm big, and it's not because I weigh too much. My doctor says I don't weigh too much, but I still feel like I weigh too much. A few years ago, if you'd seen me, I had a wheel underneath my belly. <laughs> but then having leukemia took me out of that. And when I, once I got thin, and that's no way to go on a diet, let me tell you. After the chemotherapy and everything, I realized that I needed to care for me a little bit. I was trying to care for other people too much. Have you ever thought about that? What these lessons are talking about is you caring for yourself so that you have something left over to care for the people around you. Making rosaries for your children. Teaching them what that's all about. Encouraging your children to grow and become all they can be. That's what it's all about. And it's all the time that we remember that the altar sits in our midst and the world out there needs to know our faith and the abundance of our life. Know our faith and the abundance of our life. Um, I'm going to go out on thin ice now, but I, I do that sort of regularly. This congregation has changed so much in the last 10 years. I look around, and there's such a blending of God's palette in this place that's wonderful. Everybody doesn't look the same. You've changed, and you've gone from very traditional music, which which I love. People call me Anglo-Catholic charismatic. That gets confusing. To traditional music and choir choristers that we're going to honor today. We can do anything as long as God is in our midst. But guess what? We can go like this. We can say, God, step back. You're getting a little closer, invading my space. God again. (laughs) When in reality, we should be just like this. We should be opening our hearts and our minds and our bodies to have the presence of the Holy the indwelling in us in such a way that we can transform the world by being who we are by knowing who we are and to whom we belong by knowing who we are and to whom we belong you know <clears throat> some things i sometimes i think my wife belongs to me and i'm sure other times she thinks that i belong to her But we've discussed that one enough to know that neither of us have possession of the other human being with us. That the possession is that of God holding us as part of the world. Now, today we're going to confirm a bunch of people. And I told them I'm going to ask them three questions. The first one is this, are you doing this of your own free will? And none of them ran away. And there's even people that are in this class that we're going to honor today who chose not at this time. I'm familiar with that. Our youngest son, who's 43 now, had too much of the church all of his life. Man, he didn't, not, he didn't get to not go to church ever. I wanted him to learn about community. I wanted him to learn about our faith. But just has been done here, he had to make that decision. And when he made the decision, he made it four months ago. He decided to say, I have these two young boys. I have this magnificent wife. I have an amazing family. And I'm not talking about us. I'm talking his. And he chose that he wanted to make an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace that had already taken care of and had been taken care of in his life. He wanted to be confirmed. He wanted to make that adult commitment, saying, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, I will be your servant in the world. Here I am, Lord, I will work for justice, mercy, and peace. I will respect the dignity of every human being. It doesn't matter what faith they are. When I leave you here today, it just happened because it got put together hastily, but I'm going to the city hall in the city of Los Angeles, and I'm introducing the mayor as we talk about interfaith work. We talk about relationships between Christians and Jews and people of Islam and Hindus and Sikhs. You know, we all believe in the same God. It's just that we have the right way. (laughs) Did I say that? What a friend I have in Jesus. All my sins and cares to bear. What a friend I have in Jesus. He is with me everywhere. There was one time in my life that I had a a seminary professor. Great woman. Her name was Marion Mix. Brilliant New Testament scholar. And she knew about systematic theology and every other thing. I just sat in awe of her. And she said to me, John, John, she didn't say John, she said, John, you're nothing but a Pelagian. Now I want you to go home and look up that word. Pelagius basically believed you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, and that your salvation came through your being who you became. Got to tell you, folks, I practiced Buddhism all through college. Went to church every Sunday because my mother and father would have killed me and stopped paying my tuition. (laughs) But I learned about meditation and prayer. But then I couldn't be as perfect as I had to be to be a Buddhist. What did I do immediately? Jesus! (laughs) I went running back. And I've been there ever since. We're the faithful people of God just as other people are faithful and of God. But what we have is an exemplar, a teacher, a presence of the holy in our lives, Jesus. When I lay my hands upon these people, they're going to make a public profession that I, as an adult, choose to be a faithful Christian. Even though they probably, some of the older ones, have been... a wonderful, faithful Christian for years and years and years and years. I know Philip, our youngest son of the family, he has been a faithful Christian from the day he was 12 or 14 years and decided not to be confirmed. But he lived his Christianity out. If some of you ask me, I'll show you the pictures of him putting on an Easter Bunny suit after after being a president of a corporation and going around in the park outside the Century Towers and giving candy to everybody sitting out there eating lunch. Here's a six foot eight inch, six foot seven inch Easter bunny. I didn't know they made those suits that big. But it was an opportunity for telling them about the resurrection and how joyful he was to be part of God's holy family. Be faithful when we confirm these people, when we have set them aside, when we bless the choristers and induct them, be faithful. We have 13 confirmands, Father. Okay. I want you to pray for 15 people. The two people in conscience who decided they wanted to wait a while and the 13 who set themselves aside. I want you to pray for them for one full year from today by name. It means you've got to go home and write it on your calendar, folks. And that's not a hard thing to do. Thirteen people. I have an 8 and a half by 11 binder that's four inches thick with all the people I pray for every day. A picture, a name, on every page. Why do I need to do that? God hears us. I could say it once and God would know it forever. I do it because I need the discipline. I need the discipline on focusing what I have, what I've been given by God, and what I'm sharing with others. Be faithful. Know that God is for you, and if God is for you, who can be against you? Be faithful. And know that the power and the presence of God will even cover tragedies like... Paris, like San Bernardino, like New York City, like that little place in Connecticut that tomorrow is the anniversary of that terrible shooting of 29 lives. The teacher who threw her body in front of somebody is in my prayer book, and I swore I'd pray for her until the day I could no longer pray. there was a man in San Bernardino 49 year old guy really young I think it's 49 and he said to the woman he enveloped in his arms and turned his back on the shooter to shield her body I want you to know the wonder of my life by living your own life and then he was shot and killed Is he gone? No, he's assumed back into the power of the Godhead. He's one with Jesus at this very moment. Some theologians would disagree with me that you've got to go through this thing. Not me. I thank you for being faithful people. I thank you for being the people of God in this place. In Jesus' holy name,
0: amen.